0: Well, good morning again, everybody. Now, before we get underway, just a couple of things I want you to know about. The first you will notice up here on the table with me is Communion. And so today is Communion Sunday, and so if you're watching with us at home, uh, you might want to go ahead and make sure you grab those elements and put those to the side, because at the end of the message, uh, we're going to go ahead and partake of that together. So that's the first thing you want to know about. The second thing you want to know about is every single Sunday in our app, we offer notes that you can follow along with with the message. And I especially think in this series, you're going to want to tap into that, not only for the notes that you'll take during the message, but there's actually questions after that for reflection for our regroups. And even if you're not in a regroup, you might use those questions because I really do think this series, as you're gonna hear in a minute, is gonna be really important to all of us as we try to recenter our lives spiritually and really kind of take more of God in deeply in our lives. And so that's the second thing. But the third thing is cool, it is a mind blow thing here. And so right here I got a post-it note. My life revolves around post-it notes. Like some people are cool, very digital. I'm very analog and I lose these half the time, but I've got a great poster note here because what we tend to do the second Sunday of every month is we actually give a financial update on the building and things of that nature, but we decided because today is our 10th birthday, uh, you know, it's been 10 years of rolling and and just seeing what God's going to do that we thought it'd be really cool to give you the update for this last month for the month of September On this very day because it's a pretty crazy amount that I want to share with you. So uh, as of the month of September, the general fund was about $53,000. And so that's kind of standard for us. It's usually a little higher on the general fund, but that's where the general fund landed. Now, the other thing I want to tell you about is that we have this program going from now all the way to the end of the year where we have somebody that's come forward and said they will match dollar for dollar given to the building up to $750,000. So incredibly generous. I mean, that's a huge offer. If we actually actually met dollar for dollar on all of that, that is a ton of money toward the building. Well, for the month of September, you ready? I want you to brace for this a little bit. We saw $351,000 come into the building fund. Then when you go dollar for dollar and you match that, that is $702,000 in one month given toward the building. That is huge. That means literally the bottom line, what we're sitting on right now as far as cash in the bank, we're just slightly below $3 million dollars that is phenomenal. That is worth celebrating. Right now at home, you should be high-fiving, fist pumping, just chest bumping. It doesn't matter. You just should be celebrating this because it's a huge deal. And so we just want to remind you between now and the end of the year, I see people high-fiving over here. That's perfect. Between now and the end of the year, you can give to the building fund and that will be matched dollar for dollar. So at this point, there's still a pretty good chunk of change that can be matched. I think it's roughly around 350,000, which means we've eaten into a pretty big chunk of that matching fund already. Uh, But boy, there's still some more ground to cover. And so between now and the end of the year, you wanna be thinking about that, especially I know as we get into like November, December, people start thinking about their final end of the year giving. That'll be the big push as well. And uh, while we're doing that, we're also uh, waiting on the uh, architecture things and things of that nature just to get to some more concluding numbers. Uh, But man, this is going great. So I'm excited about this all the way around. You should be too. And uh, as we continue to give to that purpose, we also want to be praying to that purpose. And so right now, I want to pray for this morning. I want to pray for our project. I want to pray that we will still be faithful to our mission, which is to make much of Jesus, take the Bible seriously, and do things for the good of the city. That's what we're about. So right now I'm going to pray for all of that stuff, and then we're going to get into the beginning of our new series and the topic for the day in that series. Let's go ahead and pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you are looking out for us. I mean, I keep going back to even in my own humanness, how I've spent the last year trying to program and figure out and get ahead of the curve and figure out, you know, how can we aid things in this very strange time where we're not always able to meet and people are moving and things are happening and you wonder, can this get underway? And then you remind us that, hey, you are in control. And when things seem to be at this place where humans can't control it, that's the place where you love it to be. And so I pray that we are faithful to you in prayer that we're faithful to you and are giving, that we're faithful to you and our love of you and our commitment to the mission you have for us, that we will, man, err on the side of grace, seek to be like you, take the Bible seriously, do things for the good of the city, all these things that we care about, that we will be faithful to that because you are faithful to us. And when we're in that sweet space, man, that's where life is so good. And so Jesus, I thank you I just genuinely thank you for the ways you continue to take care of us, and I pray from that we just keep stacking stones and we remember what it is you have done and you continue to do, especially on this 10th birthday. Thank you for 10 years, and I'm excited to see what the next decade holds for all of us. And so, Jesus, we come to you this morning. We ask that you teach us and guide us and stimulate our hearts to what it is you have for us today. We seek these things in your good and faithful name. Amen. So this uh, particular series, it was one of those ones where I wasn't sure what we were going to do going into the fall, and I was kind of thinking about it and praying about it and trying to figure out, like, what's the thing that's most important for us as a church to hear right now? And so I started thinking about this idea of something that's like, like really crazy, like crazy things that we as Christians should do. In fact, not just crazy, but authentically radical things. Now, when we hear the word radical, for example, we tend to think of like Red Bull commercials and adrenaline rushes, like that's the radical life. But here's the thing about this word. When you go back and you look at the Latin kind of etymology to the word radical, it doesn't have this idea of bungee jumping and jumping out of planes and I don't know, like surfing with sharks underneath with 100 foot waves, that's not what's radical. But rather the word radical means rooted. That's how simple it is. It's this idea of things being driven deep into the earth, and from that you get your nutrients, you get your strength, you get your fortitude. That's what it means to be radical. And so from that, I'm like, man, I want to do a series on the things that we as followers of Jesus should have in our regular lives so that we can truly be radical, right? So we can do some things that are just like, man, you got to lean into this, do some crazy stuff to see God do some crazy things in your life. And part of my motive for this was, frankly, I was just looking at the last 18 months. I was doing inventory on my own life, and I was realizing how everything sort of got out of rhythm, right? Like school was out of rhythm, and work was out of rhythm, and friendships, and sports, and extracurricular activities, and going to the movies, and taking trips, and you know, vacations. I mean, all of it was just like altered and changed. And, and as I talk with people, and as I looked at my own life, I realized like, yeah, spiritually, the same thing has been true. Like the habits of reading my Bible or the habits of prayer in a healthy way or the habits of joining together and gathering as a church and being in community with one another and doing life together, all of those things were sort of disrupted in this time. And so that's what really kind of inspired me to be like, then let's do a series on crazy stuff Christians should do. In other words, let's do a series on the things that make us grow spiritually, that connect us to God in a more deep way. And so as we start this series, I want to start in an interesting place. I want to start into this idea of what we should do. The crazy thing we should do as followers of Jesus is ready. We should give God a piece of our mind. We should literally give God a piece of our mind. And what I'm talking about here is prayer. And when I talk about this, I'm not just saying like, oh, prayer, you know, like that. I'm talking about like hands in the air, kicking your feet, getting into it, serious about it, Going to God and saying, God, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to shout to you. I'm sometimes going to vent toward you and at you. I'm going to be frustrated in your presence as well as be celebratory in your presence. All of that is giving God a piece of your mind. It's just opening up and letting God have all of us. Because here's what I know when we give God a piece of our mind, when we really go into that space, God gives us a piece of his mind in return. We get some of his thinking when we really come to God and bring our thinking in the context of what it means to pray. Now, we're going to do this very much in the context of looking at the Psalms, and we'll get into this in a couple of minutes here. But the place I want to start is something very simple. And so if you're taking notes this morning, it's number one in your notes, the ways that we think of God. I want to start with that, the ways that we think of God. Because as I process this out, what I realize is if we're going to take this from the perspective of relationship, all relationships are are either going to kind of survive or die. They're either going to be filtered or free based on the nature of the relationship. So filtered relationships, for example, are those ones where you hold some of yourself back or you're not sure about the person or you're not sure what to think about the nature of the relationship. And so this may be something like when you have a relationship with a boss or maybe a neighbor that you don't know so well or a teacher or something of that nature where it's a filtered type of relationship and therefore there's filtered communication. You're reading them, you don't share too much. That's the nature of a filtered relationship. But a freed relationship is one where you see the person as safe, as caring about you, as invested into you. That's kind of like your spouse or your kids or your parents or a close friend, something of that nature. And that's a free relationship where you can say what you need to say. If it's a healthy relationship, you can say what you need to say. You can share your darkest secrets. You can celebrate the coolest things in your life with that person. That's the difference between free and filtered. And so when we're talking about prayer and we're talking about how we see God, part of what we have to do with this is we just have to ask ourselves, like, how do I actually see him? Have I ever really seen him in a way that's robust and full? Or do I have a little bit more narrow vision of God? Because that's going to shape how we come to him and how much we actually kind of give him a piece of our mind. In fact, to kind of unearth this a little bit more, I want to look at number two in your notes. Ways we think of God are going to ultimately shape how we talk God, right? Like how you understand him is what I was just saying is how you're going to interact with him. And so I want to go to the board for this. We haven't had the board for a while and uh, we see we have happy people with happy hands and feet. That's the way we like to do our stick figures around here. But each of these is going to represent a way that we see God, like an approach or how we sometimes get myopic and we see God sort of in one vein. And so for some people, the way they tend to see God is a little bit more like God is a king right? Which is good because God is a king, but they kind of get stuck in that phase. Like God is that. He's the king, the ruler of the universe. That's always how I see him. And I'm locked into that particular vision. And that's what some people do. Other people, they see God as a judge, right? That's a gavel, that's what he does, that's a poorly drawn gavel, but you get the idea, right? And he's there to simply kind of make sure you're staying in line, you're not doing wrong things, and if you are, he's going to use the gavel on you. And some people see God that way. Other people look at God and they go, he is the gifter, right? So God exists in the heavens to give me what I want. So I pray to him, he hopefully deposits things on me. And this is one of the ways that we kind of get locked into this one singular maybe kind of way of seeing God or, or way of praying to God. And with this, what happens is often our prayers are sort of one directional, right? So God is king, I send my prayers up to that king God. And even in that, those prayers are somewhat serious, right? Right? so we'll say serious in that, so we're always thinking through that I'm acknowledging his supremacy, his reign, his bigness, and everything else, and so our prayers are always sounding sort of that way. Others who feel like God is a bit more judge, everything there can be heavy, right? So As you're praying to God, it's like, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm wrong. I know I did bad things. God, don't judge me. Don't hammer me with your gavel. And and the prayers are always kind of about how you feel like you're letting God down in some way, and you're always worried that God is somehow disappointed with you. Or this one, the prayer is always kind of one directional again, but it's, God, give me what I'm asking for. So our prayers are about requests and desires, and we're hoping that God will parachute down to us what we're asking for. And if he does, we're happy. And if he doesn't parachute that down, then we're mad, right? Like that can happen too. And these are the ways that we can relate. But what I find with these different phases is that so often, again, after a while, the prayers kind of sound the same, become the same. You can easily anticipate them. They're very monologue oriented. It's like, I pray to my king, my judge, my giver. And then I say, amen. And I walk away. And it was just I said thanks to him, I prayed at him, and I assume he heard me. Now, I want to be clear. God is king, God is judge, God is giver. Those are all biblically accurate. That's exactly what the Bible presents as God. But notice, it presents him as king and judge and giver and so much more. And so when we start to talk about how we understand God so as to talk to God, we need to change the dynamic. And I'm going to say the dynamic should not simply be from the bottom up, one directional kind of this monologue approach, but rather we need to see it like this, happy hands, happy feet, and we need to see it where we and God are in a relationship and a partnership. And in this with God, guess what? He's still king, right? And he's still judge. And He's still is gifter. But in this, we're not seeing it as this bottom-up effect or this God is distant and far away. But rather, we're beginning to see this idea that God is so near that even the Bible talks about like God is a breath away. Or in the book of Acts, it talks about he is near every one of us. And so when we think about prayer, it shouldn't be like somewhere distant out there where Thor lives or whatever is my God. No, we need to think in terms of when I am broken in my bedroom, weeping over my child who's done something that's broken my heart, God's in that bedroom with me. When I'm driving in my car and I'm stressing about my job and I don't know what we're going to do next, God is riding in that car with me. When I'm sitting there in my bed at night just contemplating and trying to figure out what to do next, God is there with me. And so what he wants us to do is see this partnership of care and we are going to him because he is so near and next to us. This is the image I want you to hold in your mind as we continue this morning, because this is the image that matters, that God is active and present and engaged right here. In other words, he's watching your life, right? He knows your feelings. He sees your challenges. And he's not like far off going like, oh, good luck on that. I hope it works out for you keep doing the next right thing and maybe I'll show up in five years. Like that's not what it is. What he wants us to do in that model is say, you know what, come to me, talk to me, rely on me, open up to me. We know what's going on in your life. I mean, I so often think that's the way God approaches us. Like, come on, we both know what's happening here and I'm here for you. You just have to share it with me. You have to open up to me. You have to let me have a piece of your mind, lay it on me because God wants to do life together with us. If there's anything I learn as I read through the Bible, that's what God seeks. This come alongside sense of connection. And so that's the way we want to look at all of this. And so from that, I want us to start to move into number three in your notes, ways we can and should talk to God. Right. Once we get our mind kind of figured out that, hey, God is all these different facets, he's not just this one thing or this one thing or this one thing, but he's all these different elements of who he is and he's there to be with us and talk with us, then we should and can talk with God. Now I say can because it's a privilege. It's a huge privilege to be able to just say whatever we need to say to him. But we also should do it, and I don't say should do it because I'm trying to guilt us into something. I'm saying we should do it because, man, it's, it's this rich opportunity to get things off our chest, to sort out the things in our mind, and to seek the power of God to go through those things, right? And so the place I want to start is a little bit weird. I want to start by slightly rewriting the Bible. Now, that sounds pretty dangerous. Trent's already trying to figure out if Matt's going to have a job next week. But here's the thing. I want to look at something that Jesus says that's the big idea for our lives, and then I'm going to slightly tweak that, but you'll see why, and then you go like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So in the Gospel of Mark, it says this, chapter 12. Jesus is being confronted by the religious mucky mucks, and he replies to one of them, and he says, most important, this is the greatest commandment, right? So this is that great command thing that Jesus talks about. He says, this is the greatest commandment. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, here's my question to all of us. When we read that or hear that, how would you envision love as expressed? You might say, well, love is expressed in obedience or loyalty or some level of fidelity. And I'd say, absolutely, that's totally true. All those are the ways that love is expressed. But imagine in our closest relationships, if we left love just in that space, so with our kids or in our marriage or with our best friends or our parents or whatever, imagine if we distilled down the essence of love to being, I am loyal to you, I obey you, I have fidelity toward you. There would be something missing in the relationship. Because what we all know is what makes relationships tick are all of those things, but with earnest, honest, open communication. If there isn't communication, there isn't connection. And if there isn't connection, there isn't going to be a sense of love. I mean, I've been married for 31 years and I know those seasons where Ellen and I just sort of feel out of sync and out of rhythm. I haven't stopped being loyal. I haven't stopped being faithful. I haven't stopped this idea of my commitment to her. But what's going on usually is we're just not connecting because we're not communicating. And so, when I think about this passage, and I think about what Jesus is asking for us to do, I go, well, then communication is a part of love. And so, from that, here is the rewrite. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you must talk to the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. See, prayer and the love of God and faithfulness to him is to be this thing where we as the fullness of our person is approaching God in the fullness of his person. And we're stripping away all the pretense and we're stripping away all the formality and we're stripping away all the sense of propriety sometimes that we build up because we see God as king or judge or giver. And and we need, need to get past that and be like, there's so much more. And he wants our authentic self to connect with him. Because when I go back to the blackboard for a second, I look at this relationship here, and I go, this is the way it's meant to be. But there are times where things can get in the way, right? We can build barriers in our connection to God, in our prayer life, in our spiritual life, whatever else. And so the question becomes, what are the things that build barriers? I think some things are simple, like neglect, right? If we're neglecting our spiritual life, We're not going to feel connected to God. Or sin can be a barrier that kind of keeps us from connecting to God. But I think one of the big ones, frankly, is this idea of holding back, of inauthenticity, of trying to pretend we're something we're not, or not fully revealing to God everything that we're thinking about or struggling with or trying to figure out. In other words, what God wants us to do is to press in, but too often we hold back. In fact, I'll tell you one of the sins I have. I'll have these things are weighing my heart, but instead of praying about them, I just think about them a lot. So I just stay in the little cul-de-sac of my own self-pity, or the cul-de-sac of my own intelligence, and I put those in air quotes, and I don't go to him. I don't press into him. So it's like, dude, it's like, not only is it not helping you, it's actually getting in the way of what most can help you, and it's getting in the way of you connecting with me where I can help you even more. And so what God wants is not for us to kind of hold back. He wants us to press in. And so from that, I want to pitch three L words for the day. Three L words that I think changes everything. Crazy words. That if we do them, it will change the tone of our spiritual life. It will actually bring health to our bones and our soul because we are in fact closing in on what God has for us. And so those three L words are simple. We need to long, we need to level, and we need to listen. I'll say that again. We need to long, we need to level, we need to listen. Now, as we look at these three L words, we're going to be looking again, like I said earlier, at the book of Psalms. And here's why I love the Psalms. Those bros, they laid it all out there. Right? You read those hundred and fifty chapters, you see that they were hopeful, beautiful, thoughtful, but boy, at times they were fearful, they were angry, they were bitter, they were nasty. Man, they were downright stupid sometimes in the things they prayed. Like you read that and you go, like, that's incredibly human. But see, that's the beauty of it. Because like those people knew, like, I just gotta go to God and dump it out there. I've got to go to God and celebrate who he is. I've got to go to God and seek him out in desperate ways. Like that is the spirit of what you see in their lives. And so, man, they just went after it full bore. And that's what I want to encourage in these three L words as well. Now, in doing this, here's what I'm not doing. I'm not telling you exactly like where you should pray in your life. This is more about like why we pray, how we pray. I'm not telling you where you should do it. But I think when I look at the Bible, there's only two places that are appropriate to do it, in secret and everywhere else. All right, so here's the deal. I read the Bible and it says there's these moments where we get alone with God and that's, there, there's an intensity of his presence, an opportunity in that space, and then all throughout the day, you need to keep praying. Paul says we pray without ceasing. And so you need to pray in private and you need to pray in public. You just need to let it all be out there for him and you're constantly going to him. That's the spirit of all of this. And so with that, knowing that it's in private, in public, all the time, in every way, how do we pray? Well, here's the first L. We need to long for him. Long for him. And as I read this, I'm not going to unpack it, explain it. I just want you to feel it. I want you to sense this heart for God in longing. The psalmist writes, prays, begs. He says, bend down, O Lord. And hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need your help. Protect me, for I am devoted to you. Save me, for I serve you and trust you, and you are my God. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am calling on you constantly. Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Listen closely to my prayer, O Lord. Hear my urgent cry. I will call to you whenever I am in trouble, and you will answer me. I don't know if you caught all of that, but that's longing. And in the longing, there is a sense of demand an expectation. I mean, it's not just like being polite here. There is this sense of push behind it. I mean, listen again to those words, bend down and hear me. That's like demand, right? I'm constantly calling. I'm not giving up. Give me happiness. I mean, how many times have you felt compelled to say, God, give me happiness. I think sometimes you come like, God, if it's in your will and if you'll let me have some joy, that'd be sweet. This guy's like, man, I need happiness. God, give me happiness. He says, you have been so good to me, I will call on you and I know you will answer. Do you pray prayers like that? I was so confronted this week. I mean, it was such a good reboot for me because I was just confronted by like, these aren't my prayers sometimes. And yet this is to be the stuff that we're to be about, right? Like we're just to be longing for him, longing for connection. I think about this in Psalm 27. David wrote this. He says, one thing that I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek the most. Man, we seek money and trips and fun and stuff and Netflix. We seek all kinds of stuff in life. This guy's like, man, I got one thing I want. It's to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. This is so cool because here's what it is. He so longs for God, he's listening for God. And then there's these times where God calls out into David's heart and he says, David, come and talk to me. And David says, literally his emotional response is, my face just automatically seeks you. I hear your voice and I hunger for who you are and what you have to offer, what you can give me. See that's a longing for a connection but part of this is we have to pray this kind of longing to begin to sense a greater desire and longing and one of the ways we can kind of kind of make this happen you know kind of prime the pump if you will is this idea of longing displayed and reflecting on what we know of god it's it's what the guys were doing tonight with worship you know what worship is it's just prayer to songs It's prayer to music so often. And that's what we should do even in our prayers. We should reflect on God and praise who he is. Psalm 34, he says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak of his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless, let them take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness and exalt his name together. Those who look for him and for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Here's something, I think I've probably shared it once before, but um, when I get frustrated, when I get down, when I'm angry, when I'm doubtful, whatever it is, um, I get in my car and I drive And I just let it all out when it comes to this idea. In other words, instead of like letting God have all my nastiness, I'm like, man, I'm so discouraged. I'm just going to get in my car and I'm going to start walking through everything I can celebrate about God. His goodness, his grace, his love, his provision, his teaching, his spanking sometimes. I just start going off as loud as I can in my car. And that rotten attitude that I had when I got into my vehicle, by the time I get home or I get to my destination or I come back to the office or whatever it is, my attitude has changed. Because there's something about just dumping it all out there in the positive, longing for God and telling him all the ways I can reflect on him. That brings healing to my soul. And I think that's true for many of us. If we actually do that, I think sometimes we feel this toxicity in our lives and we don't know how to get rid of it. And I think this is a great way to do that. By saying, God, I long for you. I want to connect with you. I want to reflect on you and celebrate you. And I'm going to worship you even when my attitude bites. I'm going to push against that decay and I'm going to do something different. I think God shows up big in those spaces. And so God wants us to long for him. That's the first thing. The second thing, though, kind of is closely connected. And it's kind of crazy. I believe God wants us to level with him. To literally give God a piece of our mind, right? To share our chip on our shoulder and shoot straight with God. And I believe God wants it. I know some people are like, Boyd, isn't that kind of sacrilegious, though? Right? To kind of vent, be frustrated, get angry at God, even tell him where you're mad at him or disagree. Isn't that wrong? Well, here's the thing when I read through the Bible, I see people doing that all the time. Naomi did that. David did that. Moses did that. I mean, you name it. Like Habakkuk is super mad in chapter one. And then even doubly mad in chapter two. Like there's just an honesty about this. And I don't think God goes, whoa, don't be so honest. I think God's like, hey, we all know what's on your mind. Let's not play any games. I know you're struggling. Let's talk it out. Let's work it through. So what this means is first, we need to say, God, I'm going to level with you. This is how I feel. It's pretty simple. God, I'm at a level with you. This is how I feel. Psalm 77. He says, I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. When I think of God, he says, I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. He says, you don't let me sleep. I'm too distressed even to pray at this point. And then he starts to ask questions five. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Has his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The most high has turned his hand against me. See, what I love about this is that it's raw, it's visceral, it's frustrated, it's angry, it's confused. And honestly, think about it. Have you ever felt like God is not looking out for you? That he sold you a bill of goods, that he promised one thing and you got another that he doesn't give a rip about the conditions of your life, your kid's off the rails, your money's in the hole, your job's a mess, your marriage is hurting. Like you go like, God, where are you at? And you honestly think like, man, this is super unfair and you're not showing up and I don't get it. If you've ever been in that space, again, you have great company. Because like I said, that's the space of Naomi and Moses and David and Solomon and you name it, right? That's familiar company. And that's an authentic response. I remember last summer I spent months working in my yard, out there mowing my lawn, and I was in a full-blown throwdown with God. I was so frustrated, so confused, so bewildered. I just didn't understand certain things. And so we would slug it out, right? Week after week for like three hours mowing, God and I slugged it out. And when I wasn't slugging it out, I wasn't talking to him, right? Because I'm like, fine, I'm just not, we were either fighting or nothing, now, here's why I tell you about that, right? You're like, oh man, this is our pastor. We should get a new pastor, right? But, but here's why I tell you about that. God's a big boy and God knows what's going on in my heart. And I think sometimes what God wants in the relationship is for us to just be honest in the relationship. You wanna know what a bad relationship is? When you don't share your heart, you don't speak your mind, you don't try to work through the problems, you don't admit your frustrations. That's an unhealthy relationship. That's toxic. See, I think God really does want us To just own up and admit, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm struggling. This is why it's a downer. But you know what else I have found in that process? That's where God centers me. He lets me vent, rant, rave, be angry, say, God, you're inconsistent. This doesn't work. I don't know why you do it this way. This is the dumbest way ever. And God's like, okay, now are you done? You feel better? Now let's start stitching this thing back together. Right? You've been honest with me. But you know what? I I can teach you through that. I can show you some things you didn't see before. See, I think God would rather have us angry at Him and throwing everything toward Him than just turning our back and not talking to Him anymore. I think God honors the process of our openness. And so sometimes you just gotta level with God and say, this is how I feel. Another thing that we need to do is say, God, I'm gonna level with you. Here's what I've done. In other words, just as much as candor builds connection, confession of sin builds connection. It says in Psalm 32, oh, what joy is there for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record of wrong the Lord has cleared, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. He says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat but finally, finally, I confessed all of my sin to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me, all my guilt is gone. Therefore, let the godly pray to you while there's still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protected me from trouble. You surrounded me with songs of victory. Then the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life, and I will advise you and watch over you. See, when we level with God and say, God, you know what? Here's where I've sinned. I've been angry. I've been unloving. I've been selfish. I've been greedy. I've been lustful. I've been whatever your thing. God's not like, whoa. I mean, God's like, Right on, finally. Let's open this thing up. Let's crack this open. Let's fix this problem and wipe it out of your life. Because notice the things that are said there there's forgiveness, strength, relief, victory, and guidance. God's like, when you level with me and admit your flaws, I forgive those flaws and I lift you up and I send you out anew. Like, that's so refreshing. If you've ever done something stupid, and you had to go to the person you were stupid in regard to, and they say, you know what, it's all forgiven. They put a hand on your shoulder and say, it's great, don't sweat it. I love you. Everything's good. Like, you leave that so refreshed. Well, that's the promise that God makes to us. Come to me, and you will leave refreshed. So, God, here's what I feel. God, here's what I've done. But then the third one is, I level with you, God. Here's what I need. That's just our prayer request, right? Hear my prayer, O Lord, and listen to my plea. Answer me because you are faithful and righteous. Don't put your servant on trial for no one is innocent before you. What what the person's saying there is like, God, I'm not worthy of you answering my prayer, but you are good and I am not and I trust you. They say, my enemy has chased me, has knocked me to the ground and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear, But then I remember the days of old. I ponder your great works and think about what you have done. And I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land, thirsts for rain. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me or I will die. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk. I give myself to you. I love this because it's like go to God and say, God, I need you to flex big. right? I, I need you to act. But as we go to God and we ask him to do big things, here's the thing I've learned, we also need to be pliable. Because sometimes when we're coming to God and we're asking for things, God's like, I'm gonna answer that, but not in a way you think. So I I was thinking about this with one of our kids years ago, where my wife and I were just praying desperately, work in our child, do this thing, do that thing, grab their heart, steer them in a direction, all this stuff. And then God spoke to both of us at different times on the same night. And what God's answer was is not, I'm going to step in and do something in them, but rather God was like, I'm going to do something in the two of you. And what I want you to do is stop trying to make your kid be what you want them to be or even get me to make your kid to be what you want them to be. And rather, I want to use you to wash your child's feet and to serve them in love. I want you to play my role like my son and care for your child, right? (laughs) Like totally not what I thought the prayer request was going to end up with. But you know what? We did that. We were faithful to that and God used that in powerful ways. So when we go to God and we make requests, Sometimes we have to realize that God's going to steer us in directions we don't expect. And so, we long, we just simply like level with God, and then last, we need to listen for him. Listen. Psalm 62, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will never be shaken, Therefore let all that I am wait qu- quietly before God. Then it says in verse 8, pour out your heart to him for God is our refuge. Going back over to the board again. What we have in the model is not simply that we're going to God in this relationship, but then we need to stop and listen so we can hear from God in our lives, right? So we're bound then in relationship. That's what's going on. So we're speaking to him and he's speaking to us. And what that means is that we have to make space to listen. We can't just be like these prayers where it's just like one and done, one and done, one and done. I put in my 10 minutes, I said amen, moving on. Sometimes it means we say, God, I'm not going to say amen for a little while. I'm just going to sit and ponder. I'm going to sit and listen. I'm going to see what you have to say to me. Now, I want to be clear in that. It doesn't mean that there's going to be this audible voice that says, Matt, now do this. It doesn't necessarily mean that. But it does mean that in the calm and in the silence, God can speak to our heart. He can give us some guidance. He can nudge us in a direction. He can bring a verse to mind. He can give us a statement that we didn't dream of, like wash your son's feet, right? There's all kinds of ways that God can speak into our souls, but the thing we need to do is make the space to listen. And so I'm certain if we long for, level with, and then listen. God desires to speak. He desires to move. He desires for us to be in communion with Him. And that's what I love about today, that today is communion. And it causes us to center on that. And so right now, I'm going to have you guys come up for our worship set here. And as they're coming up, I want to challenge you right now, right? Like, Like, we've just gone through this whole thing, and and it would be really easy to be like, I took the notes, and I'm going to take the questions later. My challenge is, even right now in this moment, as you start to get ready for communion, that you start to think about and instantly start to go to God and say, God, uh, I long for you, and I need to level with you about some stuff, either about my feelings regarding you or my sins against you, right? Whatever it might be, or my needs of you. And then in that, God, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what it is you have for my life, how you would guide me in the things that matter to you. See, that's what Jesus came to do, to establish friendship between us and God, to establish community and unity and from that communication between us and God. That's why the Bible says he's the mediary. He, he's the one that actually links us up with God, right? So he's like the AT&T of our life, right? He connects us to him because he wants us to have connection with him. And so I want to remind you of the night that Jesus was sitting down with his disciples and getting ready for communion. And he was trying to lay out to them that he's doing this covenantal thing. Covenant is just simply relationship, but it's a relationship of love and loyalty. And then from that, he says, in this covenant, I'm going to send my spirit. He's going to teach you. My father is going to speak to you. He's going to guide you into all truth. And so when we take this bread and this cup, it's more than just symbols. Right? It's capturing the essence of community and communication. And so right now, before we partake of the bread, I want you to just take a moment to just close your eyes, bow your head right where you're at, and then just go through a little bit of that inventory we just went through saying, God, here's how I want to long for you, or I do long for you, or I know I haven't longed for you, and I need to, and God, here's where I got to level with you, and man, let me hopefully listen to you more. So I'm going to give you just a few seconds to have that time between you and God right now.